I am a wayfarer on the waking way just like you. Years ago, in a time of despair, I was given cause to consider my small place in the whole of creation. The old questions that have perplexed us for ages were haunting me as well. Why are we here? Must there be a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings, enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts? Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? Like a new day rising, a fervor to understand these things illuminated my inner east. The discoveries along the way have been manifold, malleable, and colorful. Like a kaleidoscope, the teachings and practices I have gathered continue to shift and bend, imprinting on the textures of daily life just as it is. My ministry arrives in the form of sharing this extremely personal, varied, sacred, ordinary way with you. Let us traverse this landscape together as siblings. I pray you will join me for a time. I am your brother Oren, and this is my witness to the wisdom cry of the Dawn Deacon. It's actually a really beautiful day here in Louisiana. It's just cool enough. A lot of the humidity's been wiped away. We've had a string of rainy days, kind of hot for this time of year, or warm. So it'll be nice to see the sun. Actually is nice to see the sun. Today, I'd like to talk about something that's been on my mind. It's been on my mind not just the last several days or week, but for decades. And that's violence. As you well know, we've seen a swelling of violent rhetoric in the United States. Human beings have been violent for a long time. We've used force to solve our problems. But in the United States, particularly over the last four years, we've seen an increase in violent language, an inability to solve our problems through reason. We've made decisions to, or many of us have made decisions to not compromise or to just simply not make any effort to see the viewpoint of another or to try to place ourselves in their circumstances, even in our imagination. 
bring it up today because in our community, in the area where I live, along the Louisiana coast, we recently had a murder take place in a local store. Young teenagers. I don't know all of the exact particulars, just about what everyone else knows. But there was a dispute over a relationship, as I understand it. And one of the children made the decision to steal a large knife from a local sporting goods store and then hunted down the other teenager in a local supermarket. And while others filmed it, they stabbed the teenager. This wasn't just rage, mind you. This was violent intent. I don't want to get off in the weeds on guessing all of the tributaries and veins of thinking that could have led to this. For me, these terrible things like this calcify into beads. Something that I place on a string. Something to hold in my fingers. Something to pray on and something to meditate on. Often, I would use that analogy for positive things. Good things that have happened. Even if it's the loss of a loved one. To form or make a, a tiny shrine to them. Visualize it as a bead. Place it on a, a garland of beads throughout my life. But I've also found value in doing the same thing with tragedy. You know, I have to look directly at myself when these things happen in a community like ours. It's so easy to look around and say, who's to blame? Who should I be pointing my finger at? Is it the education system? Is it the parents? Is it the culture? Is it law enforcement? Who is responsible for these violent acts? The reality is it's a collective issue violence takes many forms rises up in different people I've tried to take the approach in my life that yes I am a creature that has a propensity towards violence human beings have always done this 
and once you've made a decision to analyze it and not simply accept it you can make changes I used to think that just not having any violent actions in my life was enough as long as I'm not physically harming someone but as the decades have passed and I've spent time wandering around my own heart cave and really analyzing these things I've come to see that violence wasn't just physical violence with words and other types of force situational forces left their mark on me as well and if they left their mark on me I had to look and I had to wonder how often did I apply force to others that wasn't physical when I use the word force I have to acknowledge that some of what I might say might be meaningless if you don't subscribe to the idea that there are forces and realities and powers that have influence over our lives that we can't see a few days ago my son and I had got home from school and we stopped because the breeze was blowing and our prayer flags were fluttering in the wind and we let the wind hit our skin and he pointed out that I could see that he could see the effects of the wind but not the wind he couldn't reach out and grab it with his hand but he could feel it on its skin those are the types of forces I'm talking about subtle forces coming in from so many different directions there's been advice or words from our local leaders that imply that this is only a problem to be solved by the parents and that somehow parents have failed society and these children by not having control of them and while that certainly could be argued I do tend to take a wider view and I have to consider all the things that are informing all the children in our world in our society in this community that I live not just at home but all the pressures that come from so many directions you know we've watched what happens when one person in power is giving given a method to influ influence the masses through a social media platform 
and how it has the ability to catch fire, stimulate old buried seeds of darkness, hatred and rage, frustration, seeds that were lying dormant. We also have to acknowledge how did those seeds get there? Where did they come from? And then how old is it? How far back does it go? Growing up, I always had a sense that violent competition might be unhealthy for us. I usually saw that in sports. Seeing violence in films and other media didn't seem to have the same effect as seeing actual people that I knew participate in violence. It was always easy for me to separate the two. Watching a science fiction movie with violence, I was able to see it as fantasy very easily. But in the real world, I abhorred it. I felt like it was breeding something in us. Not everyone would draw that line, but I did. And perhaps that's why I'm not very competitive. I think we've seen in our culture the growth of toxic competition. This didn't just start. It's been going on for a very long time. And it's influenced generation after generation. We've been taught to take what we want without reason by our culture and yet we've also decided who in the culture should get away with that who in the culture and by what means of force are we willing to accept that forces those forces will accept forces placed on people through the unseen hand of finances. Somehow, we're willing to accept forces that are aimed in the direction of punishment, holding people at bay or in line, had enough time to think about this and to see it play out and if anyone really stops to look they'll see it too that any force applied is destined to meet its opposite in recent days I've tried to express that through some of my writings and reflections but it's a hard thing to accept especially 
when we're given a temporary satisfaction of getting what we want through the application of force or violence. I could wax on and on on the subject, but what's really been on my mind is what to do. What should we do? What can we do if we believe in a better way, a more peaceful way, a way of nonviolence, and maybe subtler, more productive forces? The easy answer is to say, to wash it out generation by generation, family to family, individual to individual. And I do believe that's a part of it. But what always perplexes me is how to share the value of that with others so it has the same ability to take root and choke out the seeds of darkness and hatred and anger and pain that are under the surface so easily stimulated through the rhetoric of separation, division, force and violence. There are a lot of people that I know that would hear what I'm going to say next and be further enraged by it or think it's foolish. But in truth, I do believe this, that violence is weakness. Violence is weakness. When I look in myself, when I ponder where violence comes from in myself, and I look back on my life, at all the times that I've been violent, touched someone in a violent way, spoken with violent words, implied violence, or manipulated situations to get what I want, which maybe isn't considered a form of violence, but it would still be a type of force, selfish force. I have to ask myself why I didn't apply a different type of force when I saw those things rising up within me. A counteractive or equal and opposite force. I have to start with me. I have to look inside and identify the things that fuel rage, hatred, frustration, and aggression. And if I don't spend time looking at those things or analyzing them and practicing seeing them, 
then anger, rage, frustration has the potential to rise up as violence in me over and again, on and on, age after age. I say all these things and share them with you, but the truth of the matter is, even acknowledging this doesn't mean the battle is won. It's an ongoing practice. It requires right effort, right concentration, right intention. To simply say, I read nonviolent books. I read and studied the philosophy of nonviolence. I follow teachers who are nonviolent. That's a start. But if at the first sign of frustration, I don't practice, it's useless. Maybe not useless or meritless, but it is not of as great a use. I've been thinking about positive applications of force. And I recalled something from my father's death and eulogy. You know, my father was a carpenter. And he always said the reason he became a carpenter was because Jesus Christ was a carpenter. On meditating on my father's death and contemplating the reality of his life, he could be a caring provider and an angry destroyer. I saw a lot of ways to connect him to a hammer and look at him through that lens. Forces of violence and nonviolence are like a hammer. A hammer can be used to render something to dust, to crash, to crush, to break it apart. And when we see violence in the world, if we pick a hammer up and we use the hammer that way, we only build more rubble doesn't make sense does it how do you build rubble we break people and we break societies we break minds and we break hearts when we walk in with the name healer and repair but we wield a hammer with that type of force But a hammer can still be a tool to repair. A hammer can be a tool to mend. A hammer can be a tool to build. But anyone who's ever wielded a hammer to tear something asunder knows it's a different type of force 
that's applied than the type of force that's used when you're building up a home. I remember helping my dad as a kid and this morning I was thinking of it before going for this walk and I remember him teaching me how to put up paneling with finishing nails and I would grab the hammer and the little box of nails and just pound away and I remember how frustrated he was because I had left dents and scratches around each hole and he told me and then showed me I didn't need that type of force that we weren't just putting up paneling for the sake of it we were building a house so I tried to do what he showed and it was hard at first but by the end of the day if you looked at where I'd started and where I finished there were more mars and scratches at the beginning than at the end. I hadn't completely eliminated the habit of using violent force. But I was learning. I imagine if I had become a carpenter like my father, like Christ, I would have learned to use a hammer with more finesse, more love, understanding that I was building a shelter, creating homes and abodes, sanctuaries, not pits of destruction chaos segueing I've thought of Christ this way often and the idea of him being a carpenter and the way he wielded a hammer as opposed to the way the Roman centurions wielded a hammer as they nailed his arms and feet to the cruel cross. I wonder if we'll ever understand this more than on just a small scale. I hope that the leaders and politicians in our communities that'll use violent acts to further their own ends and their own means, their own desires, will eventually learn to wield a hammer 
more like Christ and less like the centurions. I hope that I can personally continue to see where violence is still lurking so I can meet it with an equal opposite force of love before it manifests in my home. But if there is one thing that we can all do for the children and then their children, it's this. Simply start by saying, it's not supposed to be this way. We have to tell them that what they're seeing and what they're experiencing is not healthy or normal. The normalization of force and violence has to stop. We have to teach them that it's okay to look inside yourself. It's okay to not get what you want. It's okay that you want things to be your way. But we have to teach them that getting your way through force of violence force of manipulation is not going to give them the result that they want. There's more that I could say about this and many people have said these things before and better. But if I could leave you with just the image of using a hammer in, in a different kind of way with a different kind of force when dealing with anything internally or externally then maybe this morning walk will have been some use to you may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May all beings rejoice in the well-being of others. And may all beings live in peace, free from greed and hatred. Brother Oren Parker is the producer and host of The Dawn Deacon and the Find the Good News podcast. As a licensed ecumenical minister, he practices universal spiritual accompaniment, offering a brother's ear to fellow seekers. Oren provides baptism, blessing, and union ceremonies, as well as tailored rituals to memorialize special occasions or blessings to sanctify personal spaces. Brother Oren also officiates weddings and funerals. For information or to contact Oren, visit findthegood.news or email oren at orenparker.com.